with the latest Trots news. Welcome to Gatesbeat. Five past twelve as we uh, join up today with Dan Malecki, the totes of their official at Ballarat. The winner two days, he gave it four ten one thirty. Ten rush worth two dollars. Five bang on blue one twenty. Eight Javel Flynn was fourth. Quinella paid nineteen seventy. Exact to thirty one seventy. The try eighty two even. Fourth uh, six hundred and thirty even. Running double three and two twenty dollars eighty. Gate speed. Mm. Dan Malecki joins us. I reckon you would have slept well Saturday night, Dan. <laughs> did you? Or was your brain just going a hundred mile an hour still? Yeah, a bit like that, Sean. I. I um I had a few hours uh, to catch up on, but um, it's funny. I, I I can be tired mentally and uh, and physically, but um, just sitting down in a chair and mm. maybe a red wine or a, or a brandy <laughs> or a scotch um, or all three. And yeah, often it's the trifecta. Um, and then I find the most difficult part is getting up out of, off that couch. Uh, so yeah, look, uh, the last few times on the big nights, I feel like I've left everything on the park. You know mm-hmm. that saying you hear from the footballers, they say, yeah. I left everything on the park. And I think that's a good sign. It means that you couldn't have given any more. And, you know, I feel like from my, my part of it, it was exactly that way, but it was fantastic. And, what a um, crowd. Uh, look, the, uh, Atmosphere was was excellent. Um, I got an opportunity to uh, leave the box at one stage. I went downstairs. I had a chat with Bruce McAvenny, which um, the feedback has been uh, fantastic <laughs> from. But I, I, when I went down there, I couldn't even see the camera crew or Bruce. There were that many people around. It actually took me a couple of extra minutes to find out mm, where they right. were. Uh, that's such a positive. But it wasn't just the really good crowd that was there. It was the atmosphere that was created. You know, the weather is so important when you're at the trots, um, and all those boxes were ticked the other night. It was a wonderful night. Yeah, I thought looking at it, it just looked absolutely brilliant, and the roar from the crowd was fantastic. And that's the other thing, that sound that goes. Like the other night, we were out at uh, Melbourne Cup at the grounds at Sandown, and they go to the post the first time, the cheer from the crowd. Yeah. And it just really it, it sets the whole atmosphere alight, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think the crowds, we've noticed it, say, in a Melbourne Cup, for example, that huge roar at, at, at the start of the race, and that has transferred over to a lot of other big mm. uh, thoroughbred races, harness races, and as you just mentioned, the Greyhound Racing, and that's the audience participation. They love it too. They they identify the, the special events, and, and we need that. The atmosphere is, is crucial to, to any of the race meetings, and uh, it's been there in abundance, which is great to see in all three codes. And it was often referred across the night as the Melbourne Cup of harness racing and as is with the case with the Melbourne Cup there's always so many different stories to come out of the race Dan and Saturday night was no different at Tabcourt Park Melton both of the finals had some great stories um, to, to come out of it and with the pacing series we've spoken all you know all series about how open it was and yeah. the final really was quite fitting to how the series had actually played out a horse that um, we hadn't really given a lot of time and commentary to in the lead-up in I Cast No Shadow, and um, the training performance of Jason Grimson as well should not be underestimated. To go back-to-back in a series with different horses, I'm looking through the honour roll of, of trainers who have done that. It's it's saved for the greats, really. Yeah. And um, what we might do is actually play the audio of the pacing final on Saturday night and get your thoughts. It's act now on the final bend from Expensive Ego. Honolulu Bay's joining in. End of the straight. Act now, four metres. Honolulu Bay down the outside. I cast no shadows pushing through. I cast no shadow got through to grab the lead. Torrid St. Late. It's I cast no shadow in front. I cast no shadow. I cast no shadows. Well, in many respects, Torrid. it was a bit of an upset because the horse paid around 15. 
$15, Dan, although the stable were quite confident heading into the race on Saturday night. Yeah, well, barrier one in this case was uh, the, the crucial aspect of the race. Um, there wasn't a lot of pace in the first lap. Uh, to be fair, Acknow actually settled too well. Mm. Um, often he can get a little bit keen, as he did in the third round of heats at Geelong. And if he was going to run that faster time in the first lap, it might have got the eventual winner out of his comfort zone earlier. As they've built to a crescendo, that last 1,200 was very fast and made it impossible for anything else off the pegs to make ground. Uh, and I cast no shadow, travelled up really well. He looked like he was going to be a chance turning for home. So did Honolulu Bay, who, who's missed the place, but he's actually gone super. Um, mm-hmm. When they're running those 26 second quarters, it's nigh on impossible to make ground. And he did make a little bit of ground. He presented at the top of the straight. Yeah, you just win. can't go that much quicker when they're running that sort of time. Mm. I cast my shadow, just had a beautiful run. With that down in front, him parked behind. And really, for a lot of the race, he had nothing outside him almost. He just had clear air, just sitting there. And it was only the last bit you thought, right, you're going to have to go for the sprint lane. Did you expect him to dash as quick when you, when they straightened? Uh, always wary because he looked like he was travelling well mm. coming to, to the home turn and, and really of the other horses that weren't on the pegs uh, it was Honolulu Bay who, who had presented uh, so from about the 250 to my eye there probably only looked three winning chances and, and obviously he was one of them the longer price out of that trio Torrid Saint who was the emergency got into the field tracked through from three back the pegs um, and he's run a terrific race he's got so close uh, an amazing story there yeah. Noel Watson who owns the horse he trains a couple of gallopers. Um, Which we spoke about last Regent. week. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And, and an amazing thrill for him and for Julie Douglas and the team to get him through and for young Jack Law, the driver as well, uh, running second in the Dominion. It, it, it is like winning a, a, a huge race for them. Uh, and Acknow was, was brave again. It's funny, throughout the series, uh, they even put in a, a sprint lane at Ballarat, um, yeah. a track that doesn't usually have it conditions of the Inner Dominion. So you've got sprint lanes at Shepparton, at Geelong, and then at, at Ballarat, yet it played no part. The sprint lanes played no part uh, effectively in mm. any of the heats. But in the grand final, it provided the winner in the second horse at Melton. And Dan, obviously heading into the final, a lot of the, the talk leading in was around Emma Stewart having five chances in the race. And unfortunately for her, it wasn't to be on, on Saturday night. She's gone three and four with Acknow and Honolulu Bay. But She's going to get another opportunity in years to come because Acknow's only a four-year-old, Honolulu Bay's only a five-year-old if they you know, decide to go down that path again. Um, you get the feeling as though an Inter-Dominion victory is not far away for her. Oh, look, I think you're right. When it's supposedly in your backyard, it's got to be a big backyard because they train outside of Ballarat, <laughs> but we know, we know what we mean when we talk about that. And um, even the horse that she had returned the other night called Major Moth, the way yep. that he returned, he's another one that you can add into the fold to be that quality Grand Circuit type of horse and uh, remember ladies in red who's injured at the moment and out for six months um now if she was in that final and she drew 12 uh, you probably f- she would have found it hard to win the way the race was run but i th- she would have gone in as the best horse in the race because i've always been convinced that she was better than the boys at the same age so yep. she's the same age as, as act now um and of course she's got this uh, other horse um captain something um yeah <laughs> and i'll tell you what, what whatever he can do it is 
it's scary to think what he's capable of doing. That doesn't mean he can win a, 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 an Inter-Dominion series and dominate. A popular arm couldn't do it mm. uh, for one reason or another. But um, to think that she might have a few horses there, mm. that she might even be able to rank gold, silver and bronze uh, above some of them that raced the other night, that in itself is scary but so exciting for Harness mm. Racing. And uh, she'll, yeah, the opportunities will come, I think, not just the two- and three-year-old stars that she produces, and their business relies a lot on that. That's where yeah. their focus is. But now they're getting horses that are getting better from three to four, and their opportunities, I think, will come uh, for, for the Inter-Dominions. And she'll have, uh, I think, a, a big unit, a big team of, of players. So I, I hope for her sake that there's one close by. Mm. I thought Jodie Quinn and Strive and Act Now was an absolute pearl in front. Well, she pressed the button. Uh, she'd had a pretty good time in front. As I said, Acnow settled pretty well, probably settled much better than most had expected because uh, he's the sort of horse that's not really known for sitting up. And he, mm. and he, he settled well, so he did sit up. And, and then uh, Jody decided to let him roll, and that's why the horses that were off the pegs mm. and out the back, they just couldn't get into it. Um, in by process of the way she pressed that button, Jody, it eliminated a lot of other chances. Took them out of the equation, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, and and really the the fifteen to one shot and the two hundred to one shot then become the only dangers to her. Mm. And unfortunately for Jody, that they were able to to run her down in in, in the sprint lane. But Acknow's had a wonderful series. He, he's a very good horse, very good four year old. Um, and uh, and as I said, uh, on the night, uh, he started favourite, as we, we expected he would, because Honolulu Bay at one stage was the favourite for the race. And uh, to be truthful, the best run in that race, well, you could go through every other horse in that field. They've all gone enormous. It was just impossible for them to run any faster than what they did. Uh, I'd still think a one-on-one, the best performance in that race was probably Honolulu Bay. Yet any other race, you'd see a horse in the one-one and think they had absolutely every chance. Mm. I thought he made up a little bit of ground and he was terrific. But you might also find the horses that finished 8th and 9th have broken the clock, so to speak. Hey, Dan, I, I want to ask you about Jason Grimson and the training performance here to win with I Cast No Shadow and to win back-to-back into Dominions at such a young age. And for, for someone who was a relatively uh, unknown commodity in harness racing only a couple of years ago, to, to have burst onto the scene the way that he does or the way that he has over the last year or so, he, he reminds me a little bit of Kieran Ma. I don't know what it is about him, but I, I just get reminded of Kieran Ma, this sort of unassuming guy, um, quite shy, um, country boy. All of a sudden, um, he's the big name in the sport. His uh, success has been built on a lot of ex-Victorian horses, and, and some of those horses that have uh, gone through claiming ranks or, or similar to, you know, similar top races to claiming ranks, um, even a horse like I Cast No Shadow used to be trained in Victoria. I thought he was very one-dimensional back then. He was a sit-sprinter and a good one. He could finish off really strong if the pace was good. Mm. So that's changed up a bit. He gets to a longer trip and he's able to win. Bonsell Benjamin, very similar. He very speedy horse. Uh, a big doubt on whether he could stay. Albeit winning on protest, he still won the Inter-Dominion last year. Another horse called Major Meister, who was so impressive at uh, Ballarat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's destined for much bigger things. So working on... Um, Ex, particularly ex-Victorian horses, and and almost changing their complete profile. That that's mm. what's happened. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. I cast no shadow. Um, if he went around at sixteen dollars the other night, uh, if anyone said to you twelve forty months ago, I cast no shadow would win an Inter Dominion, <laughs> you'd be happy to take them on, and you would have mm. lost everything. Yeah. Dan Malecki is with us on Big V Racing. This is Gatespeed, Matt Nevitt and Sean Cosgrove with you as well. Hey Dan, I know we've spoken about the prize money a little bit for the Inter Dominion over the last few weeks and months, but 
watching it all on, on Saturday night, it, it did to me reinforce anyway that it probably does need to be recognised in the same way that it's seen by the wider harness racing community as the biggest race on the calendar. Yeah, look, in 2000, the year the Shaker Maker won the Inter Dominion, it was the first $1 million harness race. And I think there was a the Blacks of Fake Inter Dominion in Tassie uh, offered the same prize money. And since then, uh, it's dropped. Mm. Um, I, but also uh, the Inter-Dominion itself, uh, the way it's been handled, uh, and I'm not saying it's been handled poorly, but some of the states haven't been able to afford to run it. Uh, New Zealand have effectively pulled out of it because it used mm. to be a rotating race. But it's still the name that resonates with people you know, from other codes. There were, there were over the course of the week, whether directly connected to me or messages have been passed on, uh, people that identify with... The Inter Dominion. They know that brand name. Mm. They got no idea when it's on, uh, if it's still on, and what it involves. But the name had resonated, particularly with generations that grew up with it through whether it was sixties, seventies, eighties, even in the nineties, and to a little bit now. Um, we had a really good crowd there the other night, and a fantastic atmosphere. And we need to work uh, on that. Uh, if that name, that brand Inter Dominion, sits with them, it's something that does transcend. It doesn't have to be a horse. Mm. It's a race series. But we need the Kiwis. We do need the Kiwis. Mm. They were the only New Zealand-trained horse that was uh, in action through the series was Bolt for Brilliance, who unfortunately broke down. We need uh, better representation from Western Australia. We need the best horses there. And then we can get the best prize money. And I do. I think it should be a million-dollar race. But... For it to be a million-dollar race, we have to have New Zealand on yep. board to have their horses want to go around in it and all states of Australia to make it the best race series. Uh, I'm hoping there's a little bit of a turnaround after this week. It goes to Queensland next year, and there will be... Prize money stays essentially the same, but their prize money for the trotters is really good because it'll be the biggest trotting series that they've they've had. So there yep. is some positivity there. It was really warming to see... Uh, the people out there the other night, of course, on a racing.com telecast, a significant promotion, and you guys, you guys very much a part of that on, on RSN, as well as the Trots Vision platforms. There was a number of different areas, and, and Sky Racing, of course, to be able to watch and to hear the Inter-Dominion series, and I think it was embraced and warmly, and I think uh, the feedback that I get anyway is that uh, they really enjoyed what they saw off the track, and the people that were on the track really enjoyed what was served up to them. Harness Racing Victoria, uh, through the diligence of uh, Fiona Mello, um, I think she got a work ethic involved to concentrate on a particular series, and I congratulations to everyone at Harness Racing Victoria. A lot of positivity there, mm. but the final siren might go, but you've got to look at your next game. Okay, mm. You've got to prepare for your next game. Summer is so important in harness racing. It's not a time really to take holidays. I know that sounds awful, uh, but it always has been uh, the time of the year for harness racing. The yep. hot weather, the families to come out, the big races around this time of the year. And, and hopefully we can build off that. Um, because it was a wonderful night. Uh, I just hope, like you said, we can get that bolstering of prize money, that unification of uh, Australasia uh, to, to make the name Inter Dominion, that brand, a household name again. And without being totally mercenary, the money, the dollars, let's be brutally honest, it does add the magic to it. When you look at the Everest, the prize money they put up there, the Melbourne Cup, how it's gone up in prize money, all those sort of races. It works, uh, yeah, it works. It works. It's, an, it's the lure that gets yeah. them there. Oh, no doubt. And, and, and these pop up 
uh, races, uh, that we've got them in each code now, they are so talked about. I mean, they've surprised me the way the people talk about the Everest six, 12 months in advance. Yeah. Uh, as they do, uh, well, the Phoenix uh, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the pop-up races and the Greyhound, they've been fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. that was awesome last year. Yep. Uh, the first running of, of the Phoenix captured so much attention, and we've got another one coming up this week. Uh, we've got uh, some slot races in, in Harness Racing, one in New Zealand they call the race, uh, which was really good. We've got uh, the Eureka coming up, and we've got a series in each of the three codes coming up in WA, and there are others as well. And they're fantastic. They do get embraced. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the Inner Dominion is a brand name that even if it stopped tomorrow, people would still never forget it. Mm. they just got no idea when it's yep. on. Yep. We need consistency of when it's on, and that's been one of our biggest problems in harness racing. When you talk about the Melbourne Cup, you know it's on the first Tuesday in November. When you talk about the grand final, you know it's on the last Saturday in September. The Vic Preds now, I understand, and it really tears at my heart that they're going to change it from New Year's Eve. Um, when someone comes to me and I say the biggest night, the biggest crowd we get in harness racing is Vic Bread night. Yeah. Oh, when's that? It's New Year's Eve. Mm. Now when is it? Oh, it could be the 12th or 13th mm. of September. I mean, I mean that, that really hurts mm. uh, that we've got a, a particularly strong date that's easily to, uh, for people to grasp and they change. It's been the biggest problem. There's been no consistency with the major race dates in harness racing over the last 20 years. Yeah. People love milestones and love to know that on that day we go there. Yeah. And we do whatever. Let's get there used to be a, a big Calcutta, Melbourne Cup Eve. And um, all the bookies used to run it. And it was eight at a school. And I'd go out and help me out the night. The function centre was at shut down. And they panicked and said, if we miss one year with this, this will die. I went to another venue and it didn't go that well and all of a sudden gone. Yeah. And yeah. this had been something that had been so successful for years. But as they made the point, people lock it in. They go to the calendar and go, next New Year's Eve, we're there. Yeah, yeah. The, the old saying, and, and I reckon you guys would, would live to it. I mean, if it ain't broke, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the point of trying to fix it? It's all right yeah. trying to improve it, but why change things that are working? Uh, and particularly when it comes down to dates, because there are so many options nowadays. Uh, so why would you risk changing yeah. it to another time of the year? Because it just um, it deflates, it deteriorates. There's very few. Um, cases where it's been the other way and things have improved. Victoria Cup has been fantastic, but it was lost somewhere in the wilderness. It had been handballed around to a number of different dates. Mm. They've found a date in October now. For goodness sake, don't move it. But yeah. the Vic Breads on New Year's Eve... Um, they get a big crowd out there, yeah. and when there's a big crowd out there, they deserve to get a bit of quality. And yeah. I know the industry participants love it. They don't go on holidays during that time of the year because racing at that time of year is too big. Yeah. We have a summer of glory carnival, for goodness sake. Yeah. Well, if, you know, if it's not going to be supported by those that are making the decisions... They might be in the wrong game. Yeah, well said. When you chop and change things, it can get lost, as you point out, Dan. And look what's happened with the cricket this summer. I mean, they've got the Big Bash, which, which changes in length every single year, and uh, people don't actually know what's going on. The only date in the cricket that's remained the same over the last few years is Boxing Day. And uh, surprise, surprise, it's the only day, really, or only match th- throughout the summer that's going to probably draw a crowd. Um, so probably take a, um, a bit of a glance over you know, our number one sport in summer and seeing what's happening there and... Um, you don't have to look any further. We need to take a break. It's 26 past 12. This is Big V Racing. You're with Matt Nevitt, Sean Cosgrove, and Dan Malecki. We'll talk more trots on the other side of this break. Welcome back to Big V Racing. It's 29 past 12. Matt Nevitt, Sean Cosgrove with you. Dan Malecki is in the studio for Gatespeed on this Monday afternoon. And Dan, the, uh, the other final on Saturday night for the trotters was taken out by Just Believe. And we had a chat to Jess Tubbs 
about half an hour ago and a great story as well. A horse that had been so consistent throughout the heats, really, actually, since the horse joined their stable earlier this year and was a deserving winner on Saturday night. Indeed, and congratulations to Jess and Greg. It was their finest moment in the sport. They've had a few Group 1 winners uh, together, uh, but the investment that they've put in, um, uh, it's no surprise for them to to get that sort Mm. of success. Uh, And with a horse that uh, last year ran third in the Inter-Dominion last Mm. year, Greg Mm. won the race in Mary Law, and um, and just believe was place and then since then went to their stable it, it, definitely in the best form of his career being well placed well trained and you could just imagine um the unity privately uh, because they're married uh, but yeah. also in business and where they've got to um so thrilled for them they're so professional they're so good at what they do uh they're such great horse people and they're rewarded uh with a memory to to this stage uh, that would be at the top of their list of achievements in harness racing so far. So, uh, and, and it is. It's a team effort, uh, Jess. And uh, she had runners in both finals, too, mm. don't forget. A, a runner in the pacing final, Better mm. Eclipse, mm. Uh, who'd won a heat. And also, um, Just Believe, who went through the series undefeated in the trotters. So it was a wonderful carnival for both of them. And when you look at her background, fascinating, her father, Alan, a legend, and his wife, she said, I didn't like it when I was a kid because she had to go home and work and when the other girlfriends going out to the movies and so forth. So it's gone from that extreme to loving it and then went and worked at the Greyhounds. She was marketing at the Meadows there yeah. for quite a while and yeah. worked and worked at Melton. Yeah, too. she was race day manager at Melton for mm. some time and she was terrific. I, I don't know if Jess would remember, but um, she may, uh, but her and Amy, when they, they were a little, I, I don't even think they were teenagers or even younger than mm. that primary school days and they came up to the box uh, it would have been at Melton mm. so it was many moons ago uh, to have a look uh, there and, and obviously with their family firmly entrenched um, they were probably going to be involved in some way shape or form and uh, they have been and uh, and and Greg look I said to, I had communication with both of them yesterday but I said to, to Greg and to Jess that you know it was one of the best group one drives that I've seen yeah, I was. just suspect that Greg would have had that race run in his head hundreds of times and he didn't waste a second in making the move at the opportune time it was an exciting finish as well uh oh look well done so happy for them uh, look majestuoso was terrific i think andy gath had the runner-up in in excellent form queen alight is a very good mare and, and uh, mafasa metro so the big four ran the top four it was a really good finish and a great result and a very popular one yeah and the salute across the line will make a, a great photo for memorabilia yeah. for years to come for the family did you what what did you think of the barrier draw for just believe on saturday night were you were you confident that Greg could pull a move out like he did on, yep. on Saturday? Well, I tipped him to win. He yep. was my top pick. Uh, and he was around $5.50 throughout the course of the week. And that was probably the only thing that I kept scratching my head. Why is this horse not a little bit shorter? As it turned out, he did shorten into mm. about 4 or 380 or whatever it turned out to be uh, for a horse that was so dominant throughout the course of the series. Um, so, I, I mean, he had to do that. Mm. He had to do that. But th- the race was a bit thin outside the top four, so they always looked like there was going to be a spot for him to get outside the leader. And Greg's done it before where he's had Just Believe sitting without cover, and he's been able to win from that position, not necessarily over the longer trip of the other night, but all he had to do was wait for the opportune moment when they just backed off the tempo so he could get around as comfortably as he possibly could but don't go too early so he's exposed 2,000 from mm. home and he just timed it perfectly as he so often does. Mm. 
I've got to say, we were wrapped for young Brittany Graham, running yeah. fifth with Majestic How Harry. Good. He ran out of his skin, yeah. that horse. Oh, well, she's, Brittany's been absolutely fantastic. We know how good and how professional yeah. she is in the media Wonderful. area. Um, the emotion that she showed when she found out that she was in the grand final, prepared to protest, and with good reason, thinking that she might just need that one mm. point if it's overturned and she can get into the field. As it was, she got into the field and, and probably... Even Brittany would know the best possible uh, scenario here is that I could run fifth. And that was a challenge in itself. And she was able to do that. And I was so thrilled for her. The experience was fantastic. Yep. Uh, and she'll never forget that. Oh, um, uh, it was a great performance by Majestic Harry to run fifth yeah. uh, in the grand final for the Trotters. And just believe, I mentioned to Jess earlier on, he just seems absolutely foolproof. Yeah, and that's a good point. He yeah. is. He never looks like he's going to gallop. No. Uh, he's tough enough. Mm. Uh, it's a beautiful understanding between driver and horse. They, they react really well to each other. There's a big team of owners. There's a syndicate mm. involved there. Um, and there was a lot of people that were in the photo the other night. Um, so it would bring joy to so many people. Not just the performance Saturday night, but the ride that they're on at the moment. The horse is still young enough that you might be able to win another one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan, you mentioned earlier on Major Moth. You hooked along and broke 155. Daylight at Dawn ran a quick mile right there the other night, 153-1. Yeah, Major Moth's a very good horse. He, he'd been out for the best part of a year with injury, uh, and we're talking a horse pretty much in the same level as, a ma- as Act now. So if Major Moth didn't break down, so to speak, he would have been pretty close to, a, to an Act now and likely mm. to have been in that Inter-Dominion Grand Final. The time off hasn't hurt him. He was terrific the other night, the way he savaged the line, and he'll improve off that run. Expect him, he'll get to the top grade. Daylight at Dawn is a horse down in grade, but it just highlighted how important confidence is to win a race. He went around at Yarra Valley on Monday, and I called it, and he zoomed up the straight, charged to the line, and he's come out of the back of that run with a similar performance to win Mm. twice in a week. I think he'd won one race in the previous 30 starts prior. His form wasn't that flat. Mm. It wasn't getting to the line, but... Who knows? Well, Greg Fleming and, and Dave Moran have teamed up, uh, working together. Uh, I think Dave Moran has, has some of his horses the same property. Uh, and you can see just that quality and professionalism mm. involved, and it's made a difference for that horse. He's of a lower level, but he might be able to string a few together yeah, now. Yeah. He's got a head full of con- confidence. We need to go to Ballarat in a moment. But, Dan, also a great story was Taylor French taking out the Australasian Young Drivers' Championship with a major upset with wow. Major Watson. Well, coming off the back of the 400, I'm thinking to myself, this thing's 150. <laughs> To one, and, it, and I think I said in the call, it is travelling well because yeah. everything around it was battling. And she needed, pretty much she needed that horse to win for her to take the title. Uh, it was quite extraordinary. Mm. And again, it just highlights the depth mm. of females, participation of females, of women has been so highlighted. But I think it's the last four years in a row now mm. that the, uh, the, the females have taken out the Young Drivers' Championship and, and the last Victorian since Alan Tormey, another female to have won that title. So the depth is terrific and what a thrill for, for Taylor, who ended up having a drive in the Inter-Dominion trotting final on Parisian RT. So it was a, a, a great night for Taylor. Now, Dan, just uh, saying, apart from the Interdom winners, was there a standout on the night that we should follow? Do you think anything uh, really catch your eye? Yeah, look, the, the racing was really good. Um, the uh, horses that took out... Um the uh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, Major Moth well, is probably the one yep. that, that has got the quality to continue to progress. Uh, the uh, performance of Jillaby Sylvester, he mm. 
put the riding on the wall the week before. I actually thought he mightn't qualify and would even end up in a, in a lesser race. And um, he still started pretty good odds, and he was terrific. So well done to the uh, to Marg Lee and the whole team there. Uh, he's another horse that went around uh, in... I think he went around in some claimers as well. So we're talking about horses like a Bonsell Benjamin or a, um, an Odd Cast No Shadow. If they weren't in uh, claimers, they were certainly in races similar too. Uh, and here's another great example of, of horses that can get their confidence mm. by being able to win a race. And although Gillaby Sylvester hadn't done this prep because he was up against the Inter-Dominion horses. His performance the other night was outstanding. Mm. Terrific. Uh, Danny, we better let you go. I know you've got your, you're cracking the codes. Christmas lunch this afternoon which is very, very important. I know Matthew Stewart's very keen and excited about what the, the afternoon holds. So we don't want to hold you up any longer. And he's looking very sharp, Matthew, isn't he? He's he's ready. I'm, I'm worried he's going to run his first quarter in about 25-5 <laughs> and just capitulate. But well, <laughs> just got to say, Matt, Matty, the way he's dressed, I think the words the alleged defender come to mind. <laughs> After <laughs> looking at the yes, your honour. The last time that was worn, he was in court. Still got the residual tan from Bali as well. He's looking very dapper. Oh, we better let you go, Danny. Great, thanks for coming in. Appreciate you making the journey in. I know you came in all the way just to see us for this segment on uh, this Monday afternoon. Well, I've done so. it before. So. <laughs> great uh, no. to have you. It's a pleasure. Uh, well done on Saturday Thank night. Great yeah, calling. Great Fantastic night of racing, and uh, let's hope that the the trots can continue to build on the momentum that was um, certainly on show on Saturday. Yeah, Cranbourne Cup next Saturday night and of course the following Saturday night New Year's Eve and it's, it's the Vic Bread night so some great racing it is summer and summer means harness racing to yep. me I hope it does to everyone else involved in harness racing too we'll be chatting all about it on Thursday yeah. on Green Light On